0: Well, if you have your Bibles, if you would be opening up to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 is the text that we'll make our way to in just a moment. Several months ago, I was asked if I would come and present um, a lesson at a leadership seminar uh, at Fried Hardman. And, and they gave me uh, this topic that you see on the screen behind you. And I thought it was kind of an interesting topic, never really preached on this before, hadn't thought a whole lot about it. Uh, but they had assigned, assigned me the topic of revitalizing the core. Of course, the very first thing you have to do is figure out who in the world is the core, right? Who are we talking about? And finally, I, decide, I set it on this idea that the core of your congregation, uh, whether it's a large congregation or a small congregation or somewhere in the middle, the core of your congregation, they're the people that you can depend on no matter what. Um, The truth is, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, as Amos said, but I could tell you within just a few people who will be here on Sunday night in three weeks. I can do that. I mean, barring sickness and things of that nature, well, that's the core. Uh, They're the people that you know are going to show up uh, both for the fun things and the serious things. That's the core. If you need something done, these are the people that you call. That's the core. It's because they're dependable. Sunday after Sunday, week after week, day, uh, year after year. But it's because of that that there's danger. Whenever we start talking about Sunday after Sunday and week after week and year after year, that's a wonderful thing to be said about many of you who are the core of this congregation there's also a danger of falling into a rut because that's just what you do. And many of you who are the core know the need for encouragement. Not saying you're going to lose your faith if you don't receive it, not saying that that that, that you're going to fall away if you don't receive it, but it sure would be helpful. Right? You understand that. You know that. And I can tell you that the very last thing that I would ever want to happen to the core, whether it be the core of this congregation or of another, is for that very special group of people to grow cold in their faith. Quite the opposite. What I want to do is to kindle a fire within the core. I want... I want. Are our strongest members to become even stronger with the love for the Lord that ultimately consumes them So our question becomes how do we revitalize the core well the very first passage that came into my mind was Acts chapter 14 and you'll remember the context here in Acts chapter 14 where Paul Paul is on the very first missionary journey His first missionary journey. And he's going out into all these cities and he's establishing churches. You could talk to Bill about the difficulty of going out and establishing churches where churches don't exist. There's an immense amount of work to do. There are things to do. Paul was a busy man, saving souls, studying God's Word, preaching, planning those congregations. I think it would be pretty easy to look at Paul and say he was being worn out for the Lord at the end of his journey when he'd been to all of these places and he had he had converted all of these individuals and he had developed and planted all of these congregations it was time to go home and so many of you who have gone on foreign campaigns maybe for a week maybe for two weeks maybe for a month do, do, do you know the feeling that you have when it's time to go home from an evangelistic campaign it is a single-mindedness. We're going home today, and I can't wait to get home, and nothing is going, to stop, is going to stand in the way of me getting home. I've been gone too, too long. Well, that had to have been part of what was going on in Paul's mind. I've been to all of these places, and I've done all of these things, and now it's time to go home. But before he goes home, before he goes home, the text says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Why? Why did he go back to the cities that he'd already been in? Why why did he go back to the towns where he had already shared the gospel? Well, he tells us in verse 22, "...to strengthen the souls of the disciples." encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul was going back to those congregations to strengthen their souls. He was going to those places to encourage them. Don't don't, don't falter in these things. He was going back to revitalize the core of those churches and to help them to grow on into maturity. The text says, so when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. See, there were some godly men that Paul was going back to encourage to be spiritual leaders in those congregations because they needed, they needed people to pray for them even with fasting. Paul was revitalizing the core. It's one thing for me to say, to say, here is the core of the church. That's wonderful. If you're in the core, that's wonderful, right? I hope that you are. If you're not, I hope you want to be. hope you would entertain that idea. But I want you to look around at people that you know good and well are in the core, and I want you to understand they need some encouragement. I need some encouragement. You need some encouragement. And that's what Paul spent time doing. When he had much time to do other things. So how do we go about doing that? Well, I'm going to give a series of suggestions this evening. While we am not going to preach this whole lesson, we'll come back maybe next week. We'll come back next week and, and fill in some of the blanks. Uh, your preacher was a little bit long this morning. So possible I'll give you guys a few minutes back tonight. Possible. That's no guarantee. Um, sometimes I write checks that my body can't cash. Uh, So I'm trying not to do that. But I'm I'm just going to give us a couple tonight. How do you revitalize the core? These are things that preachers can do. These are things that elders can do. These are things that any Christian can do. Are you ready? You can revitalize the core by giving love and not cynicism. By giving love and not being a cynic. Not being someone, well, when we think about what love is, we hit on this a little bit this morning. The Bible says, love believeth all things. And so I always tell you that my wife and I have an agreement. If I say something in one of two ways, would you please assume that I'm, if I say something that you can take in one of two ways, would you please assume that I meant it the good way? That'll save you a lot of of fights, won't it? Um, Some people have relationships where when when you can take it in one of two ways, they assume you meant it the bad way. That's not a healthy relationship. Well, the same thing happens in churches with the way that people treat each other, with the way that people talk about each other. Do you have a positive view of your brethren? Are you giving them love or are you simply being a cynic towards them? Now, any cynic will defend their cynicism with examples because there are plenty of examples. If you are a part of the core and you are leading others, there are many people who can and will frustrate you in your walk. Is that true? Is that true? I'm just going to tell you. I've seen, I've seen the very worst side of the church in my 20-some-odd years as a preacher. I can give you example after example of people not behaving like they ought to, not acting like Christ. It's why a lot of people are cynics in the church. You have to fight against it. It used to be really hard on preachers that were cynics, never wanted to be that person. Sometimes I talk bad about those preachers. I don't know why they're so cynical, right? But then I lived a little while, and then I figured out, oh, I know why he's like that. I know why he's so crusty about these people and those people. I get it. But in my mind, it just made me so much more determined to not be that person. You have got to fight it for your own soul and for the sake of the church. The, the, the text that comes into my mind is 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. You remember that Paul writes to the brethren there at Corinth, and, and he writes to them. I mean, they got problems, right? I mean, if there was a Corinth Church of Christ that that was around the corner, we would all think those people have got problems. And we would probably also think those people don't really care about the will of God. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your breath trying to reach out to them. Paul did it anyways. Paul writes the letter of 1 Corinthians. And I'm just going to tell you, I mean, I've... I've preached on some difficult things in some difficult places. I've never written 1 Corinthians to anybody. I mean, it's, it's really quite ridiculous, right? We, we all were familiar with, I mean, if you want an interesting Bible class, take 1 Corinthians. It's always going to be interesting. There's plenty of action going on and plenty of people misbehaving and just being crazy. Paul writes them anyways. In 2 Corinthians, listen to what Paul says. He says, we were comforted. See, they'd responded to the message, for for, for the most part. It's amazing enough, they had responded to the message. Paul said, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that that, that these people finally humbled themselves. I'm so glad that these things had a positive impact on the brethren there in Corinth. You never know the impact you're going to have in people's lives. We rejoice still more at the joy of Titus. Why, Why are we talking about Titus? I thought we were talking about Paul and the church at Corinth. Well, we're talking about the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For whatever boasts I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And you can almost picture this, this, this setting where they're sitting there and they're talking about, about the brethren. They're talking about the church at Corinth. And then Paul says, I'm going to write them a letter. I've written them before, and I'm going to write them again. And I'm just going to talk to them. I'm going to, I'm going to call them. I'm going to, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to beg with them. I'm going to plead with them in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm compelled to do that. And you can picture what this would look like The Titus sits back and he says, Paul you are wasting your time you waste your time paul then people ain't gonna listen they're not gonna listen to, to to these things they are too far gone they don't even care and titus could give example after example after example after example i mean he kind of did that in first corinthians right okay whatever paul i mean that's 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 your business i've had these conversations right I think I had a conversation with Ronnie a couple weeks ago. He was talking about something. I said, good luck, brother. (laughs) Right? Good luck. I don't know where he's at. He moves around way too much in this room. Okay? But, but I mean, I I had a little bit of cynicism, and he had a little bit of optimism, and and I wasn't even living my lesson. I'm just going to be real honest to you. So, So, okay, good luck. And then this crazy thing happened. They actually responded. They actually responded. And Paul is saying that didn't just have an effect on the brethren at Corinth, but all of a sudden Titus learned something. Titus, Titus had his soul refreshed because the Corinthians had responded. All of a sudden, this idea that nobody cares, by the way, that's a fleshly response, isn't it? There are lots of people who have said nobody cares. Elijah said, I'm the only one. Lord, I'm the only one left that cares anything about you. I'm the only one left that cares anything about your will and holiness. The Lord says, what are you talking about? There are thousands that haven't, 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 haven't bowed their knee to Baal. Oh, well, yeah, I forgot about them. It's just because that cynicism was coming up in his soul, right? And his spirit was refreshed. Titus' spirit was refreshed. I just, I just love that example. And every time that I tend to get cynical, and I'll do that, I promise you I will try to remind myself listen I want some, I want people to believe in me you want people to believe in you I'm gonna preach this sermon but you know Santiago over there he do he ain't gonna listen whatever you know I preached this before he didn't, didn't make any changes so I don't even know why I'll, I'll preach it and he'll ignore it and that's gonna be the way it is how you feel about that comment Santiago yeah not good right and probably I'm just going to tell you if I have that attitude you know what he's not going to do listen to me <laughs> right He's not going to listen to me. If he makes that comment about me, I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna shut it off. He's just up there self-righteously talking about how good he is, how bad I am. He doesn't even think that I care. Well, I'm going to show him how much I don't care. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's how people are, okay? But you ever had people that believed in you? You ever had people that believed in you? I can still remember a letter of recommendation that I was given in the 11th grade from my high school English teacher. And she wrote about me as a leader, a leader that people listen to. The very first time in my life, I'd ever heard anybody that I thought viewed me in that way. I just kind of in the corner, you know, nobody's listening to me. But all of a sudden, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's what I am. I'm a leader." I think she, she changed my life by writing that letter of recommendation. I don't even know if she knows that, but I but I'm here. A lot, a, long year, a lot of years later, saying, it's made an impact on my life. Uh, we, we were in the midst of our a high school Bible class. High schoolers had the privilege of teaching that class on spiritual disciplines. And one of the things we said our goal was, was we were trying to develop a daily Bible reading habit. Okay? Um, we had uh, mixed success. Right? But I, I mean, we just did. And we're still still a work in progress. We're still trying to develop those things. But one of the things, and you can ask them that I would tell them, the reason we're talking about this, listen to me, guys. The reason we did that is because I believe in you. Because I believe in what you can be. Because I believe that there's potential there. And I believe that you have good hearts, that you really do want to be students of God's Word and and disciples of Christ. I believe that. Now, I want to believe that, but I want to share that. So if we're going to revitalize the course, sometimes, sometimes we need to articulate those things. We need to say it. We need to say it to people. We need to say it about people. Oh, and I believe we need to expect it from them. People will let us down, but I want to continue to be disappointed when people let, let us down. I don't want to expect them to let, let us down. I hadn't been preaching very long and uh, the former preacher's wife was sitting on the back pew, and she was commenting. She was commenting on the fact that I really thought that people were going to listen to the things we were talking. I was thing I was talking about. I think I was talking about church attendance or something like that. And I thought, well, yeah, I do think people are going to listen. I do think people are going to respond. I'll never forget it. She looked at me. She's a sweet lady, okay? But but she'd gone through a lot in her life, and she she just kind of looked at me and she said, "Well, you'll get over that." Well, that's kind of sad, right? The moment I get over it, I think I'm going to go sell insurance or something. I mean, we need to get out of the pulpit if that's, if that's our mentality. We need love and not cynicism in order to revitalize the core. Secondly, secondly, we may only get through two of these. We need to challenge the body. We need to challenge the body. Th- this is where leadership comes in. And everyone who is here is a leader in some shape, form, or fashion. But most people, most people behave about as well as you expect them to behave. Teachers, is that true? You got a bunch of kids in your classroom, they're going to behave about as well as you expect them to behave. You have low expectations, you'll probably get low results. If you have high expectations, you're going to have a lot more of them meet those high results. It's not universal, I understand these things. But we as a people need to be challenged. We need to be challenged. When I was a, um, a student at Hartman hardman we attended the Henderson Church of Christ. And I will never forget, I mean, I was a numbers watcher um, on the board. And I, it was a big church, never been a part of a church that big. And their numbers were really big on the board. And I remember that every year they would set their contribution a thousand dollars more than they had actually had as contribution the last year. And I thought, that's crazy. What in the world? $1,000, and that was a lot uh, to back then. It was a really a lot to me back then. But you know this funny thing happened? They met it. Every single year I was a student there. They met it. Now, what those elders were trying to do, listen, you can, th- th- there's, there's no end to the needs in this world, but they were trying to call the people to something better. They were trying to challenge the people to what they knew the people could do. We, we don't have any trouble with money in the church, okay? We got lots of money. We got lots of money. It's just in people's wallets. Right? Is that true? Take your head up and down, right? That, 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 that's just the reality. Well, Paul does the same thing when he talks to the church at Corinth. Second Corinthians chapters 8 and chapter 9, Paul is saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take up a collection for our brethren in Judea. Money is an easy one for us to focus on because there's so many biblical examples of this. He said, we're going to take up a collection for our brethren in Judea. They didn't have to do that. Paul didn't have to be a part of that, but he was. It's one of those great themes of the New Testament, kind of ties things together. Uh, we, re- we read about it in Romans. We read about it in 1 Corinthians. We read about it in 2 Corinthians, uh, many different places. We're going we're to get together. And um, it's interesting how Paul will, will use the churches um, and play them against each other. Sometimes with, lads, with la, lads to leaders, people will talk about they don't like the competition aspect of lads to leaders. And I know that could be a problem. I don't think it is, from what I've seen in lads to leaders. But, but sometimes, I mean, I guess you could get carried away. You, you, you could become about winning instead of about growing. But I'm going to tell you, it's a really biblical principle to be challenged and motivated by your brethren. How do I know that? Well, I know that from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Because Paul came, Paul wrote to, to the church, to the church at Corinth, and he said, he said, "Let me tell you about those magnificent Macedonians. Let me tell you about how they have given out of their poverty because they first gave themselves to the Lord." Why in the world is he telling the church at Corinth about that? He's trying to motivate them. He's trying to motivate them. That is the same thing, we have speech practice, right? I mean, Jacob. I mean, you you, you heard Tucker's speech today, right? Tucker, you heard Jacob's speech today, right? Okay, go home and work. you got work to do. Now, I don't care who wins first place, if neither one of you win first place, but you're going to be better, you're going to be better speakers and preachers because of it, right? We understand that. He doesn't just say, I'm going to tell the Macedonians, I'm going to tell, the, uh, 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 going to tell the, the people at Corinth about Macedonia. Later in that chapter, he says, you guys got to get this together because do you know what I was telling the Macedonians? I've already told them about the church at Corinth and how the church at Corinth was doing these great things. He was using them to inspire each other. I need people to believe in me, and I need people to challenge me. He said, I've never done that before. I, never, had a, I never, never actually had a Bible study with someone before. You can have a Bible study with someone. Oh, I never actually prayed out loud before. You, you can pray out loud. i hold your hand if you need me to do it, because I believe in you. The challenge. I remember the first time I ever let sing, and y'all know I'm just an okay song leader. I'm, I'm better than some, not as good as most. But the very first time I ever I ever led song leading, I had a great song leader who was lined up for this youth retreat. I was in charge of it. Seventeen years old. That was kind of dumb, dumb for a seventeen-year-old to be in charge. But song leader got sick, and and I remember I remember him saying, "You you're going to have to lead singing." Ah, uh, you know that'd be like Ronnie leading singing. Uh, this is no, I'm sorry, Ryan. Pick on you like that. But I remember I remember saying, "Okay, but you're going to have to come sit by me." I led singing, and, and, my, and one of my best friends, he sat there right beside me because I was terrified. We were at, at a church camp. You remember that, Shelly? I don't know if you, right? I mean, wh- but that challenge was there. Hey, guys, we're, we're going to set up Bible studies. We're going to take care of some widows. We're going to, you fill in the blank. I, I want to do more than just hold down a pew. I think everybody in this room would say amen to that. I know we don't say amen, Okay. I wish we said amen more, but, but I think everybody could say, I agree with that. I don't want to just hold down a pew, but sometimes I need someone to say, hey, Wes, I need you to do this. You can do this. So, so we need to have challenges put before us. Okay, thirdly, 637, I'm going to do this quick, okay? Be three points or one point left. We need to give honor where honor is due. Honor where honor is due. All said, pay pay all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are, are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Just look for opportunities. If you see good, if you see good, you don't have to give somebody a cash prize. Just go up and say, "Hey, I appreciate that." Hey, I noticed that. I know you're not doing it for people to notice. If you were, that's another whole other problem. But I appreciate the fact that you, that you spent an hour here or that you l- looked after this person or that person. I've told you before some of the worst advice I ever got in ministry. had a preacher very sincerely. He told me, don't ever celebrate anybody. Don't you do it. I was like, what in the world? What kind of, wh- why? Do you know why I said that? Some of you know. Because if you celebrate somebody, you're going to leave somebody out. Right? I can put a list of people... Thank you to all the people who helped with Yes Weekend. It'd be a long list, but I promise you if I put the list in it, somebody would get left out. Is that true? That's absolutely true. But, but if I never celebrate anybody, I, I, I never encourage anybody. I never give honor where honor really is due. That's, I, that's what I like about our teacher appreciation. Yeah. Listen, it'd be one thing if people were, were boastful about those things. You, you, you talk to the people that we've honored. Maybe our adult Bible class teacher or our children's Bible class teacher or our Barnabas Award winners. Here, here's what you're going to find. You, you look at their, their names are on a plaque in the wall. I think that's a good thing. They will tell you that's one of the most humbling things they've ever experienced. It's not, about, it's not about puffing them up. It's just about saying, I'm acknowledging some good things. Look around. When something's good, I just want you to look around and say, who's making this happen? Who's, who's working here? Who's working here? I, I try to make it a point for myself. Uh, hey, we have a fa- father, daughter. I'm going to try to look around. I'm going to just take a mental note. Man, who, who's, who's picking up trash? Who's, who's making the food? Who's setting up in here? I believe I'm going to say thank you. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It'll cost me a dime, right? And all I'm doing is expressing the truth, reminding myself of, of, of how great my brethren are and encourage them along the way. That's how you encourage the core. Someone said, I, f- I don't know who said this, but I thought it was good. He said, everything that we say at funerals should be said at birthday parties instead. I like that. Write that down. Everything we say at funerals should be said at birthday parties instead. I've instead. got to wait till somebody's dead and gone to tell them how much I love them and care for them and appreciate them. I want to do that today. I think when we do that, when we, when we find ourselves... When we find ourselves diligently striving to not be cynical people, but to be people of true love for one another, when, when, when we diligently strive to say, "Okay, I want to challenge myself and the body and those around me. I want us to be held to a higher standard," when I really make it my, I make it a point to give honor, not for the sake of just giving honor, but to give honor where honor is due, you know what's going to happen to that core? It's not. It's not going. It's not going to be in a rut. It's going to thrive. It's going to grow. It's going to become stronger than it's ever been before. Now that can happen right here. And every single one of us, everything we've talked about, every single one of us can do all of these things. This is not just preacher stuff or elder stuff. This is Christian stuff. As we bear one another's burdens in Christ. It's a wonderful thing to be in Christ. Let me encourage you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're outside the body of Christ, let me encourage you that Jesus died for you And he shed his blood for you. And he invites you to come to be born again, as we talked about this morning. To be washed. To be washed in his blood. And to have your sins washed away. He's inviting us to repent. Even though we're scared to death, what people are going to do when they find out that we've got sin in our life. They already know. You just think they don't. When we come and and we're willing to, to repent That's a powerful thing when we bring our burdens and we cast them upon him. That'll build up the core. That'll build up the the extremities. That'll build up the church because it'll build up you and me, the people who make up the church. Friends, if you have a need tonight, why don't you come as we stand and as we sing.